Welcome to the Prodigal and the Priest podcast, a podcast about faith, sports, and two friends from different cultures. Here are your hosts, Joey Scansella and Father Paul Bechter. Hello, party people. What's up? Coming to you January. We, uh, we've been on a little bit of a break, just trying to figure out our schedules. Father Paul's been traveling around. I've been traveling around. We're trying to trying to get connected. We're actually coming to you live from two different places. So I'm on St. Anne's campus. Father Paul's on UD's campus. So we'll see how this goes and how it works throughout the podcast today. Father Paul, how you been? Man, I've been good. I have been living this nomad life, driving around, doing a lot of stuff. But it's been good. I was in Lake Charles all last week, led a retreat for some seminarians, for about 30 seminarians there. Nice. Um, it was a thousand percent humidity in Lake Charles, which reminded me of home from Bermuda. And I really enjoyed it. You just <laughs> it wanted like to jump on a roof and start, start painting the roofs white there? Yeah. Yeah. I just I just fell back into old habits from uh, from childhood. You know, I think about ha- that often with like... Um, <laughs> you know, roof replacements here because of hail and storms. I mean, in a place like Texas, that's so hot. Why don't they make white shingles? Yeah, you would think it would help. Maybe it's a lot more expensive. Um, I mean, they're going to get like worn down and it's probably all aesthetics, right? Like that black and gray ones, which are popular. It's like as that wears down, it's not going to show too much. Like white yeah. will instantly, you know. Yeah, but I'm like in Bermuda, we yeah. did have to like repaint our our roofs all the time. Uh, every couple, every ten years or so, you'd have to do like a full repainting, and every three years, you would have to like power wash the roof, right? To get the mildew mildew off. Otherwise, it would be green instead of white. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, before we jump into, we got a bunch of follow up questions from our sacrament series that we're going to start to address. I got to tell you, I'm a little peeved because there was an article put out on Facebook of like the top, I don't know, something like the top 90 Catholic podcasts to listen to. And here's, here's what I'll say. No way we are like, you know, top 50. Okay. Whatever. There's tons of people who do this every day, do this more actually for a living Totally get it. You're telling me we some of the ones towards like 75 through 90 were just atrocious of like <laughs> titles. Like I checked them out. I was like, I looked at some of our ratings. Like we have a 4.9 rating and we have 43,000 downloads all time. We couldn't make number 90. This this is an outrage. Are you outraged? I think I'm kind of outraged. I feel like <laughs> feel like we're not asking for that much. Yeah, I'm you know, not asking like, for top ten here. Just just between seventy five and ninety. Maybe it's maybe it's based on like I don't know why I'm trying to defend this list. I know nothing about. <laughs> yeah, maybe don't defend on, it. <laughs> just play some devil's advocate. Maybe uh, it's based on like recency. And we have been kind of, kind of more on hiatus, figuring out our schedules. Mm-hmm. The whole vocation director thing really threw off um, some of the good momentum we had. Um, so I guess we can. So we can blame, blame it. it on you. <laughs> blame the Actually, blame it on the bishop for assigning you the role of vocations director. I don't know. Like, I don't bishop, know who we, we need to write. The top fifty. Yeah, I don't <laughs> know who we need to write. I don't know who we need to petition here, but I just, I am outraged. I'm shocked and appalled. It, it is, this is, I, I will not. Also, there's plenty of other ones on there that I was like, wait, where's this one? Where's that one? There are tons more. So I, I have huge mm. issues with this list in general. We will be composing our own list and we're at least in the top 10. <laughs> our own list. Okay. You can, you can do that. Oh. I'll outsource that to you. And I will uh, say I'm from the office of vocations, this list comes <laughs> forward. 
Yeah, you have access to our website. You can just post it on there. <laughs> um, That's right. Yeah, uh, I I'm going to use this to fuel my my drive for excellence. This is a chip on my shoulder now. I feel slighted. I feel feel like no one has given us the credit we're due. Yeah, and uh, like, yeah, this is I'm, like I'm gonna, this is like TB12 when exactly he went to the like Bucks. last week. <laughs> when he went to the Bucks the first time and then won the Super Bowl the first year. That's what it's going to fuel us. Not this last one where it played like he looked like he was 63 years old and terrible. I think he comes back next year and he's even more fired up. He comes back and with the Bucks next year? Uh, I don't know if he comes back with the Bucks. I think that remains to be seen. I'd, unless... I've, I've heard maybe Raiders. Raiders could be a candidate with the Eric Carr gone. Oh, because their uh, head coach was, wasn't he like the offensive coordinator in New England or something? Yeah, yeah. Mc, no, I don't McDaniels. know. McDaniels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't it, it is. Josh McDaniels? Yeah, Josh McDaniels, right. I mean, also, did you watch the Bills-Miami game? No. Oh, I was man. doing pretty stuff. Were you? Um <laughs> It was on Saturday. <laughs> no. Or um, something. No, no, no. It was actually on Sunday. But you've seen that coach of that Dolphins, right? Like the one who wears the aviators all the time. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's so awesome. It was amazing. It's like so cold there. Everybody's, you know, you're in Buffalo minus whatever. I don't know. It was actually pretty warm, they said. It was like 28 degrees or something. But, you know, you see people's breaths. It's so cold. He's wearing a winter hat and these just massive aviators. It was just the best thing I've ever seen. I was like, all right, Mike McDaniels, here we go. So um, a lot of McDaniels. I guess you have to have that last name. To yeah. Catch. Yeah, that's actually what caused me to pause when I was about to go on a, out on a limb and say Josh McDaniels at the Raiders. Because I was like, wait, isn't Dolphins? Also yeah, McDaniels? he's Mike McDaniels. So yeah. anyway, okay. uh, so people, we need you to share this podcast. We need you to blast it out. We need you to spam whoever wrote that blog post um, and <laughs> just say this this is atrocious and I will not stand for it. So anyway, jumping into the questions. You ready for this? I'm ready. I'm still ready. Well, the first I've one. I've got a chip on my shoulder. No one misbelieved in us. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. First one uh, comes uh, from, you guessed it, Anonymous. I love when the Anonymous ones are like so just, just plain and generic. I'm like, why wouldn't you put your name? Um, but anyway, so uh, Anonymous asks, hey, y'all haven't done reading, watching, thinking lately. You should do that. Mm. Great. I love it. Yeah, I'll, I'll start watching playoff football. That's pretty much that's pretty much it these days. Such a waiting, yeah. I, well, I mean, it's kind of true. I feel like we're in this lull of, um, you know, me, big baseball fan. Baseball's done. Football, you don't have, you Wait, know, the baseball's Thurs done. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you don't have these Thursday night games or usually Monday night game. Like you're you're coming to the end on football. There's a little yeah. bit of a lull between that and like March Madness starting with basketball or even getting into like the playoff push with the Mavs or hockey or any of those big sports that you follow. And so for me, mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't know. We watch a few. No, actually, the one show I'll toss out my. Uh, Nikki's sister, my sister-in-law, I was blanking on that term. OK, my sister-in-law. <laughs> And brother-in-law recommended this show on Netflix, and it's called Pepsi, Where Is My Jet, Harrier Jet, or something like that. And it's about Pepsi, Pepsi Where Is My Harrier Jet, Pepsi, Where Is My Harrier Jet. And it's about, it's fascinating. I think you would love it because it's a documentary on Netflix. You know me and documentaries. I love them. Um there was a whole in the nineties, a whole Pepsi ad campaign where you could earn Pepsi points. Do you remember this? No. Okay. Did that not happen? I was in, in Bermuda. Bermuda. I was in Bermuda. You guys in not the drink 90s. Pepsi in Bermuda? Or uh, get I guess points? we did. I was always more, I, I don't want to take sides or. Oh, here it goes. Myself, he was but, Coke, but I was, was more Coke. on the Coca-Cola side. Okay. Um, All right. 
Yeah, it was. I was it, never. Yeah, it was interesting. Know. It's an interesting debate. I'd be curious if we we did that uh, Pepsi challenge, which is like you know, the can with Pepsi and the can with Coke. If we would actually, which one we would choose on taste. Um, but anyway, backing oh, up, hundred percent. I could I could tell a difference. Okay, we have to do it now because 100%. everybody says that and then they get it wrong. <laughs> so we're Pepsi gonna do is it. Flat. It tastes. It tastes kind of flat. Interesting and, and more sweet. Coke has yeah. a, a bite to it. I mean, you know me. But I like. I don't uh, drink either one of them. Yeah, so. you know me. I, I go for a good Coke Zero. So, um, okay, backing up. Here we go. Nineties Pepsi did this thing. Hey, you can get you know a jacket, um, glasses with a Pepsi thing, a Pepsi c- coat, a Pepsi you know cup, all these things. But in the commercial promo they did, the last thing is this kid flies in to school and lands on the school line in a Harrier jet. Okay. And Harrier jets were pretty famous because they're one of the first of their kind that could kind of hover and also go like this, you know, um, like they were an aircraft yet had similar things as a helicopter. And so at the bottom, it says 7 million points Harrier jet, and it doesn't have any, Thing under it of this is a joke you cannot really buy a harrier you know all those things we see nowadays on commercial which is this is mm-hmm. not really blah 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 but you know all the fine print no fine print so this guy essentially ends up figuring out a way to get the seven million points which is absurd amount of points and sues pepsi to say i want my harrier jet so we're on episode three we just finished episode three or four we don't know how it ends but I think you would find it intriguing. It sounds fascinating. Um, yeah, Harrier jump jets were like the coolest thing ever. We did have those, not in Bermuda, but like <laughs> you, I was aware of those. You personally owned one. <laughs> <laughs> there was, do you remember that series, The Hardy Boys, like the detective series? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Of, of books. The books. There yeah. was, I, I want to say there was one of those that involved a Harrier jump jet, and I just thought it was the coolest thing. Um, that I'd ever come across. Yeah. It's probably like eight or something. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that sounds cool. I haven't really, I haven't really watched TV. I just don't have a space for it in my schedule anymore. Like I don't make time for it. Um, right. Unless I'm with family um, over holidays. Like then I'll, I'll catch up on certain series. Um, well, and- next time you're with your family, you should do this. Now, reminder, I want to yeah. just, I know we have families that listen. It is a Netflix show, so they're, because they're interviewing uh, famous people, there can be some language at times, <laughs> so I would not watch it in front of your small ears, so um, so to speak. So I think this is more, uh, once the kids are in bed, the parents watch. It's fascinating because they're interviewing lawyers, different people, and uh yeah, interesting, you know, language that comes out from there and their thoughts on it. But I think it's mm. very fascinating that, you know, Pepsi is just hardcore of like, come on, everybody knew this was a joke except you. And then this guy and his legal team is like, everyone thought this was real except you, Pepsi. And then later on in this episode three, they show even how Pepsi started to, once they got sued, they changed the commercial to say like... <laughs> just kidding or 700 million points and you cannot purchase a Harrier jet and you know, all these things that kind of they're saying admit guilt. So, um, yeah, it it was fascinating. So what am I watching that? What am I reading? Um, I'm still, uh, I'm still picking on a few things. Um, you know, beginning of the year, Nikki and I just went through our budget and money thing. So I'm reading a book on a few different things on money and just, um, how not to be poor as a youth minister. And then um, <laughs> what am I thinking? I'm thinking that um, I'm wondering how this is going to play out with my Eagles versus the Giants on Saturday night. So mm-hmm. I'm a little, little nervous, and I'm sure you are dun, as well dun, dun. Facing, facing the 49ers because they're dominant. Yeah, they can be had. I think the, All right. the Giants, yeah. though, the Giants are surging. Like, I would be really afraid. If I are you? Okay, wait. The Giants are surging? <laughs> the 49ers They're, are surging. They've won, like, 10 in a row or 7 in a row or something 11, like that. 11 there in you a go. Row. 11 in a row, and Brock Purdy is the new Tom Brady. 
the Giants are going to go after Jalen Hurts' shoulder. and <laughs> Go after uh, it. Yeah, and they're just, uh, yeah. They've, I don't know, anyway. There you go. All right, um, you, watching, reading, thinking. Yeah, so occasional playoff football is really the only thing I'm currently watching, but over the Christmas break when I was with family, I did watch the rest of Andor, the Star Wars series. Mm, I heard that's um, good. I loved it. Uh, we kept calling it Star Wars for adults. <laughs> I think that's a funny thing to say, but um, <laughs> but isn't I, all I really, Star Wars for adults? <laughs> I don't know. Like, like if you think of this as Star Wars for adults, and you do start seeing like Jar Jar Binks <laughs> a little differently, <laughs> um, it's like maybe it, maybe it was kind of direct. I don't know. Did you see um, those memes about Jar Jar Binks and how uh, uh, they were comparing Trevor Lawrence to Jar Jar Binks on the Jaguars? No. I'll have to send you some. Anyway, I, I digress. So go ahead. Uh, yeah, so I, I love that. I thought that was great. I also finally watched the new Top Gun movie over uh, Christmas break. Just Wait. now? No, over Thanksgiving break. Sorry, those are confused in my mind. Okay. Those are the last two times I've I've gone to Houston to see family. Um and therefore watch tv excellent excellent um, movie i thought yeah i thought it was great um i'd heard it was really great i have friends who like went to go see it two or three times in a row in theaters um i didn't see it in theaters but but it was really enjoyable and uh i have a, a brother who works for like aerospace stuff and he said some of his colleagues talked about the um the technology in the movie as being like pretty accurate mm-hmm. um like that, that scenario would never happen. Um, but if it did, then everything about the way the planes flew and stuff was, was pretty true to true to life. Um, so that's what I'm watching reading. Um, what am I reading right now? Uh, I'm reading some books called, from Brandon Sanderson. Uh, he's a fantasy author. So kind of like Lord of the Rings type mm. stuff. Um, the first book in the series is called the way of Kings. And it was recommended to me um, because like, I don't know. I, I always kind of like books like that, but sometimes they go down a road that I just can't follow. Like there's, there's just immoral stuff in the books or whatever. Uh, fancy authors can take that license and it's really frustrating. Um, but this was recommended to me as like a series that was, that was clean, mm-hmm. uh, but also that had this world building kind of thing going on that you find in Lord of the Rings. That's part of the reason people like it so much. Um, so it's, uh, I, I've really enjoyed it. I've been reading um, a lot of those uh, books since for the last month or so, just right. as my kind of fun reading. Um, and what am I thinking? Um, I am, <clears throat> I'm torn. I have two thoughts right now. Okay. Uh, one of them is that I want to do a more focused study on the Psalms. That's a recurring project that always comes up that I never actually commit to. Okay. But I was I was preparing my homily this morning for later today, and I started reading Augustine and his commentary on Psalm 40. And I was like, man, this is great. Like Augustine on the Psalms is just awesome. And I'd done a paper on Augustine on the Psalms a long, long time ago. Uh, before seminary when I was a theology major briefly at UD. Um, I think it's like 2008. <laughs> and I still remember it as such an enjoyable project because I got to dive into Augustine. So I was thinking like, well, maybe now's the time uh, where I I do a more systematic or at least a more prolonged, even if it's kind of random and scatter shooting study of the Psalms. That's one thought. The other thought is that I'm going on my silent retreat uh, starting this Sunday night. So Sunday Mm. through Friday and the Cowboys play on Sunday night. Um, And the salt salt retreat is in Tampa. So it's on Eastern time. The opening talk plus adoration for the silent retreat is at seven. The Cowboys kick off at six 30 Eastern. And I'm like, I'm really torn (laughs) between this. Like, well, I mean, what's the harm? <laughs> and I mean, you're going to have six other days of silence. So Yeah, I mean, I could just like start my own retreat at like 
nine or 10 that night <laughs> instead of six 30 or seven. Yeah. Um, and I mean, if I was a normal priest who was busy on Sundays at parishes instead of this weird combo of <laughs> chaplain, university chaplain and vocation director where Sundays are uh, more random what I'm doing, mm-hmm. then maybe I wouldn't have been able to get away from the parish to go to that retreat until the evening. And <laughs> if that was the case, I would have been getting there late. Um, missed the first talk. <laughs> Are you, so I'm doing a lot of you're seriously right justifying <laughs> what if you were assigned to a normal parish and had weekend <laughs> responsibilities, dude, you got to just make a decision. You, you I mean, I've got uh, some it, time. It, I need to, <laughs> is there any moral like hurt to it? No, I, I don't think so. I like, think there could be, there could be merit to it. Right. Uh, especially to set the tone for the retreat. Like I truly am detached from the world. And, uh, as of 10 PM, I'm detached from the world, but you know, like merit is, is optional, right? (laughs) Yeah. It, it has to be freely chosen. Don't you think six days is still like meritorious? I don't know. That's where I'm like, it's pretty easy to me. Like at least I'm making a retreat. Here's the thing. Also, are you going to be distracted where you're going to like check later and you're going to be then mad? You're going to be or happy. You're like, they pulled it out. What? I wish I could see it. Like, might as well just watch it and then start the retreat. That's so, my vote. Yeah. Talk about. Um, Otherwise, you don't you don't check the score talking right now. So yeah. you either have to go all in. Or you you start late, so that's what I'm for. I'm either for one of those two options. Not any middle. You can't check the score. That if you decide to go into it, you're going to hear the opening talk. You don't find out until you're off silent retreat. Yeah, wait till Friday. All or nothing. Yeah, I'll think about it. The retreat I led last week for those uh, those seminarians. And so these are seminarians who attend Notre Dame Seminary in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. Uh, We send a lot of our Dallas guys. We have 17 guys at that seminary. Mm. Um, and so when they invited me to lead the retreat, even though there weren't Dallas guys on the retreat, it's right. like, well, we do a lot for that seminary. I'm happy to, to help out and, and be involved. Also, I just feel like I'm in my element when I'm leading a retreat like that. Like right. I get to talk all the time. Right. Um, <laughs> and just, it's just, you know, given two conferences a day, prayer, study, simplified schedule, mm-hmm. being kind of very available for the seminarians if they need to come out of the silence and talk to somebody like that's what I'm there for celebrating Mm -hmm. all the sacraments. I, I love it, but I think it was uh, Tuesday morning on the retreat when I worked in to the very end of one of my conferences, um, what had happened in the national championship game (laughs) between Georgia and TCU. Cause there were some, there were some Atlanta seminarians and some of them had gone to the university of Georgia. I'd found out. Um, and so when I found that out, I was like, okay, they're going to be obsessed with this. And like, it's going to threaten the integrity of their silent retreat. Mm. Uh, and so I, I worked it in somehow to the theme. I can't remember. I was talking about the beatitudes all week and how Christ is the one who perfectly lives out the beatitudes so how when we read and pray over the Beatitudes, we get a window into like some aspect of his humanity. Um, and mm-hmm. somehow I tied that together with Georgia just curb stomping TCU um, in the national championship <laughs> and their faces lit up. And then I was like, let us pray and <laughs> just ended the conference. After that. that way they could run to it and go and uh, watch the replay. Yeah. Just, I'll be, I'll yeah, be rejoice. interested to hear what you, uh, yeah, what you decide. And also since people are now doing the math in their head is yeah, we come back, we do a podcast and then father Paul is going to be gone next week. So we take off next <laughs> week and then <laughs> refiguring out our days. So we're still, we're, we're working we're working on it, people. Yeah, it's a we're work in progress, but so, but this is why we're not in the top ninety, maybe. <laughs> no, I, I 
I refuse. You refuse to, I refuse accept, to that. accept that. All right, but I will say we're 25 minutes in, haven't asked a question, so let's get to it, okay? So, okay. like I said, there's a few questions that have come in since um, us talking specifically about uh, the sacraments I'd love to discuss. So Katie asks, two of my sisters were baptized in the Catholic Church and have completed all their sacraments of initiation in the Catholic Church. They are adults now, and they've been going recently to non-denominational Christian churches and have been baptized in that church. What does that mean for their original sacraments? Are they still considered part of the Catholic Church? If they attend a Mass, should they? Can they receive communion? Would they be eligible to receive other sacraments, marriage or anointing of the sick, in the future? So there is a lot there. Um, there is, and, and I didn't... I, I missed something important. So they were baptized in a Christian church. No, they were baptized Catholic. And okay. uh, they are now going to a non-denominational. And a good distinction is uh, we wouldn't consider that they were, even though some of those churches for membership require <laughs> baptism in that church, we we acknowledge their first baptism. Like we don't say they were rebaptized. Um, correct? Yeah, yeah. We wouldn't say rebaptized because baptism is once for all. Once for all, right? Um, and so yeah. that's why too. When we uh, just a good distinction on that is for the Easter vigil when we have people coming into the church or at different times of the year, people coming in from a non-denominational Protestant background, a Christian baptism in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, like we've talked about with baptism, in that form and with water, even if it was done, um, like, I don't know, outside in a pool in a small little, you know, church out of a house, if it was done in that form and matter, we, mm. it's, it's valid in our eyes. Yeah. So, yeah. Good to know, um, but I do know it's pretty common. I was talking to, um, who was it? I think my neighbor, who you've met before, awesome, awesome woman. Yeah. Um, Pat, yeah, she was Patsy, great. And uh, she was talking about she's now going to a different church right now. And uh, yeah, kind of as your final step of membership, they require you in that church to be baptized even if you've been baptized before so that that's a little bit more common in the non-denominational you know different protestant churches um and so um yeah so there's a lot there to unpack so let's let's take it question by question what does this mean for their original sacraments um i can start and and just toss out some things and then you can you can go father and um sounds good it those original sacraments were valid. <laughs> you know, they prepared, they received, mm -hmm. received them, you know, they were fully initiated in the Catholic church. So remember sacraments of initiation, baptism, confirmation, communion, um, uh, Holy Eucharist. So they received those sacraments. Those sacraments were valid as long as obviously they were prepared and it met all the things that it, it should have, um, which were, you know, presuming that it did. Um, but, those sacraments, like, yeah, like we we have record of those sacraments. We at our church, we um, or whatever church they happened at, and they're valid in our eyes. Anything to add to that? No, um, actually not. Like you got it. That's uh, yeah, you can't undo them, um, and uh, they're valid. Like even if someone goes a different direction for a while, we'll we'll talk about what it looks like to come back. Right. Uh, it, with the other questions, but, um, but those sacraments are there. They're not, uh, they're not canceled out. They don't have to be redone. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So the next part then says, are they still considered part of the Catholic church? So I'd be curious mm -hmm. what, um, I don't know if there's any canonical distinctions on this. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've always heard, uh, once Catholic, always Catholic in the sense that, like you said, like they were baptized into the Catholic church, like that had meaning. It still does, even if they're not practicing. So that's where I'd say yeah. they are Catholic, but not practicing. Would you agree, disagree with that? I think that's a fine way to look at it. Uh, canon law doesn't have any sort of like 
qualification about not practicing. Uh, so canonically, they're just Catholic. Um, and it is it is once Catholic, always Catholic, as far as canon law is concerned. Um, and yeah, it's, it's definitely helpful for us. I mean, there's more to the world than just canon law, um, more to reality than canon law, uh, as important as it is. Um, so to put that uh, qualification on there and be like, but they're not practicing their faith, uh, that's actually something that I'll say when I'm at uh, like a Catholic school mass or at a mm. funeral or somewhere wedding. where I know that there are, yeah, weddings, somewhere where I know that there are non-Catholics present at the mass, um, but also probably Catholics who I who are not practicing their faith in some way or another. Um, before right. communion, I'll always say like, um, just a reminder, if you are not Catholic or if you are, but you're not practicing your faith, then you can cross your arms and that tells me to give you a blessing right? Um, rather than to receive communion. Um, and that seems to, I don't know, maybe there's a better way to say it, but that's, that's like the best way I've, I've found over the years uh, to communicate that quickly, but clearly without seeming like it's arbitrary somehow. Right. Um, and and that's the language I use as a Catholic who's not practicing uh, their faith. Right. Um, exactly. Which kind of goes into the next part of it. That is, if they attend a mass, should they receive communion? And uh, we would say no. Um, and I know yeah, I would, some people might be offended by that or, or hurt by that. But I, I would say by their actions of going somewhere else, like they're not professing what we believe and the reception of communion, you know, is that that profession of what the Catholic church holds true, that the Eucharist is the source and summit. And that is Jesus's actual body, blood, soul, and divinity. And that, um, that's uh, in, in no way am I saying like, they're not welcome to come to mass. They're not, um, I, I would love to have them back and like fully engaged in the church. But, um, I know people are going to have an issue with that statement, um, but that's that's what we would say. Yeah, that's that's the teaching of our faith, and there's there's good reason for it. And it's not hard. Like it, we're not holding anybody at at arm's length. We're just saying, like, if you want to reconcile with the community to be part of the Catholic uh, practicing <laughs> body right. um, again. Um, like go to confession first. And if you're not ready for that, but you want to come to mass, come to mass, but don't receive communion. Like we want right. you here. Yeah. And, uh, but we want you here truly, um, and fully and not just in sort of this like, um, superficial or partial way. And that's, that's the importance of confession is, is, uh, reconciling both with God and with the community, um, of the, of the Catholic church. Right. Um, yeah. So, so I would say that, and I do want to want to qualify. Um, like another reason is that they haven't been going to mass and we're required to go to mass. Right. Like, exactly. Like for it, it's not just about someone who goes to a non-denominational church right. uh, for several years and then comes back or, or like comes back for christmas but for the most part goes to non-denominational or it's not just those cases like right if you miss a holy day of obligation that's <laughs> that's a serious sin right. like um and you have to go to confession that's the mm -hmm. teaching of the church where we are bound with a strong obligation mm -hmm. to go to mass every sunday and every holy day of obligation unless it's not possible for some reason. And that's where sometimes travel can make it not possible. Although you should really schedule your travel in such a way that you can. Yeah. yeah we've um, talked about that on one of them, I think on yeah. maybe the mass on the sacrament series. We talked about yeah. that if you're and, traveling. And we also over, talked about yeah. caretaking, right? Like mm -hmm. charity, the obligation of charity supersedes the obligation to go to mass. So if, uh, if somebody gets hurt on Sunday, and you have to spend the day in the hospital with them. That's you're not committing a grave sin. Yeah, um, like that's a that's a good thing. You've done the right thing. Uh, right. I weren't obliged under those conditions. Right. Um, also, final final case that I don't think we've talked about before. Occasionally, you can end up where you're say like visiting relatives and they're not Catholic, 
And it seems like it might be a good thing to go with them to their Christian service. Mm. Um, like there can be an occasion where I think that that could be good. I've done that before. Mm. Um, uh, but I wouldn't say like make that lightly and going to that Christian service doesn't replace your obligation to go to mass. Right. So like, it's like if that happened, um, where, where you're like, well, it, it would really mean a lot to them. It would be helpful for me to see where they're coming from in terms of the way they worship. Right. Um, and I'm not, you know, like I'm, I'm going sort of in this like accompaniment yep. kind of way. Um, like you still have to go to mass. Um, yep. your, your obligation is still there. It doesn't just, just replace it. Um, but the fact that you went there doesn't mean that you have to go to confession before you receive communion. Right. So, so that's like a way where you could go to a non-denominational church or something like that under some specific circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and not be like leaving your faith. <laughs> right, um, right, right, right. Um, and obviously just to reiterate that too, in case people want to look it up more, I mean, we hear that obviously in the commandment of keep holy the Sabbath to attend church. We also hear it in the precepts, which we also often forget about of, you know, reception of, uh, you know, attending reception of Holy communion, attending holy days and, um, your Sunday obligation and, uh, going to confession once a year, you know, those are, those are things the church says you, you have to do. Um, yeah. Tithing too. So, tithing is a, a thing. Yeah. And so, yeah, tithing is definitely a thing. <laughs> so I think there's a lot of things that we, um, yeah, it's not, let me back up. I think though, if you were to just share this with someone who was baptized Catholic and is not practicing, um, I, I've rarely seen it go well. Um, <laughs> I think they're often offended yeah. and said, well, I either, I was baptized Catholic or I believe, or I know more about, uh, Jesus and my Christian faith now than I did in the church. Like some of those, that might, those might be true statements, but that doesn't minimize, um, kind of the, the standards that we have and that we're asking people to follow. Like I think about it cause we're, you know, I'm such a big sports fan is like, you know, in, and no analogy holds up, but no coach would ever allow somebody who doesn't come to practice is not around the team playing the game on <laughs> Sunday. Right. You know, and <laughs> like it would just, it would never happen. And like, we're saying, Hey, yeah, you can just, you know, like you're welcome into this place. Yes. We desire for you to come back into full communion with the church, but, um, there's a process for that. And that's what you were, uh, then about to kind of want to share and say, okay, now, now, now how do you come back? Right. Um, cause it goes into those mm-hmm. last ones of <clears throat> anointing of the sick or marriage or those things in the future, which involve, okay, let's talk about coming back into full communion with the church. Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, there's a famous, like, this isn't a new thing either. This was something like that goes, um, you see it in St. Augustine's life, uh, that he wanted to be, um, to be considered a Christian because he believed, but he wasn't willing to get baptized. Um, like to take a, a formal step, a sacramental step. And the analogy here would be, uh, I, I want to receive communion. I believe in it, but I'm not willing to go to confession first. Um, right. And in Augustine's Confessions, uh, which is the name of his autobiography, it just so happens to be called Confessions. It's not like a record of the things he said in, <laughs> in confession. <laughs> sacrament of confession. It, it's, mm. it's meant to be a play on words like confessions of praise, confessions of penitence, um, confessions that bear witness to the, the acts that God has done in his life. Um, but it's tremendous. It's also like, I highly recommend trying to read it. It might not be what you think. Like it's very much written like a prayer in the early chapters. Um, so just know what you're getting into. Uh, it's not right. It's not like a Brandon Sanderson novel. That's just like a page turner, easy to read. Like this is a little (laughs) more dense. Um, but, 
but there's in in this key chapter uh i want to say it's chapter nine where he finally describes like this this complete conversion of heart the softening of heart yep um that the lord had been preparing him for all this time um he's the the immediate preparation for this conversion in the garden that he has um where he decides to finally give all of his life even in an outward way over to to christ and to his lordship and to full communion with the catholic church like that's prepared for by hearing the testimonies of others who have gone before him and one of those is this like public official this roman public official who i believe was baptized um but didn't like he would make statements like who cares about the actual four walls of the church like that's not what faith is about and i'm paraphrasing but it was it was kind mm-hmm. of this like me and god kind of thing right like like i'm part of this invisible church and the spiritual church is way more important than the visible church um that's what he was saying right and um and then finally he comes to see like that's just not the way christ set up his church like it's it's a it's a tempting argument especially because um it gets you out of taking some kind of awkward public steps like he he had a whole reputation in roman society um and to become a public christian <laughs> would really mess with a lot of things including his job right um but like that's the crossroads that's the sort of like are you willing to to go sell all you have mm. and then come follow me um and you find the pearl so, of greatest prize and what what, exactly. what do you do so like so like he he ends up doing it um and somebody tells saint augustine about this and then tells him about some others who were in a different situation who had picked up the life of saint anthony of egypt and have been like if he can give up everything why not also us and so saint augustine gets confronted with all of these examples of like if these guys could do it then why not me why is there such a reluctance in my heart why am i so so afraid ultimately um right. to to take this public step of following christ um and for him of being baptized which meant also giving up this uh relationship with this woman who was not his wife and he had a child with her and like there's a lot of things that were affected um by having to take this public step of becoming a catholic yeah um and uh yeah chapter nine i want to say chapter nine of the confessions is one of the most powerful series of conversion stories that um spoiler ends in augustine's conversion and um he becomes one of the greatest saints uh in the history of the church and his own story affects many many people throughout the centuries Mm -hmm. saint augustine lived in the fourth century we're now in the 21st century and (laughs) it was reading saint augustine's stories reading that book um when i was uh in rome with ud on my rome semester that like worked that same kind of conversion in my heart and at this point i had started taking my faith seriously but this right. was a conversion towards what if he is calling me to be a priest and i'm afraid of all that entails uh of like why can't i live that reality sort of privately <laughs> right um and not not take the difficult steps um so saint augustine's confessions um that's a it, it's not a it's not a new story right. so like the the person that we're imagining might hear uh you have to take steps before reconciling with the church we desperately want you to take those steps right um and you are very welcome here but like you do have to take steps like going to confession um that's not a new thing <laughs> that's yeah. something that's been from the beginning um, right. in the church uh because the church is the incarnate invisible yeah uh, and corporate body of christ yeah. and not just the spiritual reality and now there's there's two distinct sacraments that katie mentions in this question and that is marriage and anointing of the sick um uh 
Mm, you want to yeah. handle we want to handle both of those and in the, in the set, marriage is yeah. pretty easy like we would if they came to the church and said do you want to get married here we would first have a conversation about are you a practicing catholic and what does that look like and go down that like route and then talk about um yeah why would they desire to get married in a church if they weren't attending it or believing in what it believes or 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 whatever the case is right yeah yeah um but those doors aren't closed right correct not closed open to you know discussions and things like that but um they're gonna have they're gonna have discussions about okay well yeah where is the hang-up what is what is happening and then walk them along on a road back to kind of yeah reconciliation with the church now anointing of the sick this is a more interesting one yeah anointing of six a little different um so uh let's just take the extreme case of in danger of death which is normally when you receive anointing of the sick like like anointing of the sick is supposed to be for a grave illness something that at least remotely starts to put you in danger of death um right we talked about that on the if you guys go back to the one on the anointing of the sick episode that it's not just for the average person yeah not not for a cold not not even for something like an acl tear that requires surgery uh because that's not putting you in danger of death um but something like an early diagnosis of cancer yes definitely even if you feel fine and uh, everything's fine like that's something that puts you in a remote danger of death so um if you are in like what we would call in extremis so in the last days or in this like situation where where like you you could really really die soon like maybe maybe it's something tragic like a car accident or maybe it's old age but if you're in the situation of um you're a baptized catholic you drifted away didn't really practice your faith but now you're having this moment of like i really want to receive the sacrament and like yeah you can um right danger danger of death like clears a lot of obstacles out of the way or even a lot of the processes there's just no time and so it's enough to say yes i want this right <laughs> um and there are i don't know the canonical this is classic we really are back to our podcast with me saying uh i don't know <laughs> i'm trying to talk around it but there are some some like canonical situations where you could receive anointing of the sick even if you weren't in immediate danger of death and if you weren't um hadn't been if practicing you, if you're not i think if you're not a baptized catholic like there's still some situations where you could mm. but like you can't you can't receive it from your own community or something i i don't know what the what the um the conditions are there right uh, but but I, I will say this anointing of the sick for anybody is a it's considered a sacrament of the living um Mm. and so like what i mean by that is that you are supposed to receive confession as part of anointing of the sick unless you are unable to and we might have talked about that in that same anointing of the sick episode from a couple months ago um if you're not able to because you are in like a coma um then you can receive anointing of the sick and we believe that like the desire to reconcile with God that you have manifested before you went into coma or that can be um, assumed mm-hmm. uh, from the way you've acted unless you have said something explicitly to the contrary. I will never receive this. But right. um, but the desire to receive, even this implicit de- desire to receive the sacraments, like uh, provides in some way the necessary contrition for the forgiveness of sins so if you so it's a long way of saying if you can't go to confession Mm -hmm. because you're incapacitated then we believe that the anointing of the sick also provides reconciliation um Mm -hmm. but it's not a way to sidestep around the sacrament of confession (laughs) um it's like if i can just get sick enough then i won't have to confess my sins because i can receive (laughs) anointing of the sick right and and it'll just wipe them away like if you're able to to confess then that's an integral part of receiving the sacrament if you're not in the state of grace 
um, because the sacrament of the living, it's something meant to be received by those who are spiritually alive in the state of grace. Uh, maybe I used too much jargon there. No, no, um, I think that I'm makes sure. sense. Yeah. And the, uh, the and, um, the other thing I just want to emphasize is, you know, if, if you feel like you're in this situation listening to this or, you know, somebody that is, um, it's a process, it's a journey, um, and, get them in contact with somebody from the church who can walk with them on that. Right. Like, um, go talk to a priest, go talk to a youth minister, go talk to somebody from the church, because most likely there are questions. Most likely there are things or hurt or frustrations or whatever that may have caused somebody to leave, you know, um, the church. And, you know, like we desire, you know, for that full family to be back together. (laughs) And so, um, you know, for me, just as a youth minister and seeing people um, come and go, which just breaks my heart all the time, is I want to be able to sit down with them and be like, you know, what happened? What took place that? um, Where is this hurt? Or where? what questions do you have? Or what do you think the church is saying that, you know, you're offended by or hurt? You know, to just have those conversations. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we, we, uh, and that's why we're here. <laughs> like that's, that's, that's part of the, the, the reason that, um, that we should exist as, as disciples of Christ, yeah. um, is to, to walk with people. Like yeah. that's, that's part of the great commission. Yeah. Um, so awesome. Well, we, uh, we took too long on that question, but it was a great question, Katie. Thank you for writing in. Uh, if you guys have any questions, you can email us at prodigalandthepriest at gmail.com, stanamparis.org slash PTP. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it was a great discussion. We'll see what Father Paul chooses about the Cowboys game and if he sees it or not. And, uh, yeah, after, say a prayer for his silent retreat. And uh, let's pray for all those who uh, uh, have also walked away from the Catholic Church, that they may be reunited back. Uh, on behalf of Joey Scantella, Father Paul Becter, we want to say take care. God bless.